0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial, Steve Peasley President, KPP Financial, Independent Thinking, Shared Success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon everyone and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday September 12th edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and I'm happy to be here today filling in for Steve Peasley one last time this week. He'll be returning tomorrow, but today is always a good opportunity for me to hear from you, our listeners. And of course, I'm ready to answer your finance related investment questions on our anytime listener line. That is 888 99 chart. That's 888 992 4278. If you want to talk to me live, you need to give me a call in the next uh, call it, 40 minutes or so. Uh, or if you're listening after hours, you can always leave a message and we'll answer it on an upcoming show. Now, I do want to put out a quick reminder here, a message for all our listeners in Northern California. Steve will be in San Jose on October 3rd. He can sit down with you and look at your portfolio and suggest ways for you to make it more efficient. So mark the date, October 3rd. Now, there's no cost to meet with Steve, but you must register in advance through investtalk.com. Now, there was a lot going on in the market today. The dollar dipped pretty strongly. Gold fell, or sorry, gold rallied on technical support uh, as the dollar fell, and oil was hovering closer to that uh, $70 a barrel mark. And at least one prominent equity strategist is warning investors to be wary of tech stocks right now including myself, and in any of, if any of those topics have affected you or are affecting you, give me a call with your questions. Now, coming up in a few minutes for our top of the show story, I will have part two of how to get out of credit card debt, but there is, and yes, there is a roadmap, and stay with us. We're going to talk about those last three parts, but first, let's find out what is on the mind of our listeners. Here's a question that came in earlier on our anytime listener line, eight 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 ninety nine chart
0: Uh, Hi, it's Mike. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I just have a question on Ford stock, what you guys think about possibly investing in it. It looks like it's dropped quite a bit and has a pretty good dividend yield, and I'm just wondering what you think about picking some of that up. Thanks. All
1: right, he's looking at Ford Motor Company yield 6.4%. That's the dividend that he's talking about. That's Mike talking about the dividend yield. It is... uh, Def has definitely fallen. Its 52-week high is 13.48, but it was as high as uh roughly what's that? 18 bucks or so back in 2014, and now it's been cut in half at $9.34 a share at the close today. Definitely have a lot of debt. They were recently downgraded. I forget what they were downgraded from uh, to, but one of the rating agencies downgraded their bonds. When I say downgraded, I'm not talking about analysts. I almost never am talking about analysts uh, unless it's uh, something more prominent because analysts, the upgrades and downgrades, I don't think matter very much. But the rating agency ratings on uh, debt definitely has more widespread ramifications because there are certain funds that could only invest in certain companies with certain ratings, et cetera and if ford gets downgraded to a certain degree that could affect their ability to finance themselves going forward now let's take a look a little bit uh well let's go let me backtrack a little bit the industry as a whole i've said this for a little while i'm not a fan of the industry and and i did a video posted on youtube last year about the troubles in the auto industry there's massive amounts of lease returns that are coming on board used car prices are falling Uh, now Used car sales have been doing really well, but that's because prices are falling. It's a lot more attractive to buy used cars in this market because of the flood of lease returns that we've had really starting in earnest at the beginning of this year and goes through kind of the end of next year. So I'm not a fan of most auto-related stocks for until probably the middle to latter part of next year. Okay, because remember, the market's always forward-looking. It's going to start pricing that in. But at the moment, it continues to price in a weaker and weaker auto market. So I am not a fan of Ford uh, mainly because of the industry. I'm just not a fan of the industry as a whole. Now, the operating earnings yield does look attractive, 16%, very high. But they have a ton of debt. Enterprise value of $153 billion, market cap of $37 billion. Okay, So it shows that. Their debt-to-equity ratio is very high, they're very leveraged, and they're a very cyclical company in a very competitive industry, and their long-term, their return on assets is about 2.5%, return on equity is 20 which I like, but their return on investor capital is only 3.6%. Uh, So their leverage is really pushing up that return on equity and I don't like companies that have high return on equity simply because of strong leverage and that's in a cyclical uh, industry. Not only that but their dividend is going to be in jeopardy uh, in a recession. Uh, you know, we go look back in just 2011. They made a dollar fifty-one, and they really haven't made any more this year. They're supposed to make a dollar thirty-six, so they're not making uh, progress in their business from a cash flow and earnings perspective. And so, I do not like Ford, especially as dividend pay, play, because that dividend is certainly not safe. Thanks for the call. Eight eight nine nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight is how you get through and ask your question. We have about. 35 minutes left for you to do that, so get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, yesterday, I gave you the first three steps of the roadmap for getting out of credit card debt, and I'm going to finish part two right now. Now, in case you missed yesterday's show, I will quickly repeat the first three steps and go to four, five, and six. Now, the first three was embrace reality, stop using all credit card debt, and set yourself self up for success by basically having a budget and having a plan. Number four is slash your budget to smithereens. So it's first is set yourself up for success by understanding where you are today and then start cutting anything that you can. Meaning maybe you need to move to a smaller apartment uh, or a cheaper apartment. Maybe you need to move to a cheaper car. Uh, Maybe you need to stop going to Starbucks. Maybe you need to eat in more versus eating out uh, more, right? So you really need to... find every penny you can scrounge together to get to start paying off that credit card debt. Uh, and so you, you really need to decide what you need versus what you want and be ruthless. Remember, it's a temporary situation and the sooner, sooner you get out of that credit card debt, the sooner you can get back to maybe not going into your old ways but living a little bit more comfortable of a life. Number step five, decide your game plan. Okay, maybe you do some zero percent APR uh, promotions to pay down your debt faster, but you want to make sure that you get that balance paid off in that time frame of that zero percent. Okay, so if your score, uh, if your credit score isn't high enough for a balance transfer credit card, then consider getting a debt consolidation loan or just choosing a debt reduction strategy on your own. Number six, don't obsess about your credit score every month your balance gets smaller your score will go higher but it's not going to be fixed overnight okay and in one of the biggest factors in your FICO score is your utilization of your debt in relation to your total debt uh, limit outstanding okay Now, I hope this information is helpful for some of you. Hopefully, a lot of you do not have credit card debt. Most of you, hopefully. And managing your portfolio is far more complex than paying down your credit card debt. But for many of you, that's the start. And even if you don't have it today, uh, you may find yourself in that situation or a friend or a family member in that situation. Now, if you need assistance with your investment portfolio or you are just planning to start one and realize you'll need... investment strategy guidance, please feel free to reach out to myself and Steve. You can call our Dana Point office at 800-557-5461. That is our KPP Financial Home Office in Dana Point, California. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I invite you to subscribe to our Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then please rate and review. Your comments allow us to improve our Invest Talk programming. Now, our mon- our, our Wednesday show is off to a good start, and we are still taking your questions, so give us a call at 888 99Chart.
2: Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. It's hard to believe, but September is almost half over. Here's a constructive idea: if you can find a few minutes to invest in learning how to improve your portfolio's performance, head over to InvestTalk.com, read about the many strategic investing programs offered to clients of KPP Financial, and be sure to take the Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. For now, Justin's here. The phone lines are open, and he's taking your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. Eight eight nine nine two four two seven
1: eight 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, today's main talking point is about five investing tips for beginners who just graduated from college or just maybe young in general. It's never too soon to start profiting from your situation, uh, your tax status, and your newfound income, right? You you have money now. Uh, you you don't have to scrounge for pizza money anymore because you're uh, you have some sort of set job, hopefully. And but you still need to have a plan. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I also want to touch on the Fed's beige book came out today. What did that look like? What does our economy? Look like uh, this is a report on the Fed's 12 districts. Remember, the, the the Federal Reserve has 12 regional banks, and they monitor the activity, the the economic activity within their region, and they report on it. Uh, I believe every six weeks or so, and gives an update. And some districts are doing better than others, and uh, you know the the economy uh, economies can be very different from one region to another. And they're influenced by various factors, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Then Apple had their announcement today. What does that look like? Uh, What uh, do I think uh, will be the future or the the great things that have come out of this announcement today that will help Apple? And are they innovating enough? I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then lastly, what will the next financial crisis look like? Billionaire investor Ray Dalio had some thoughts, and I think uh, that'll be good to touch on as well if we have time. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. So give us a call, and I think we've got time to squeeze in a quick voicemail question that came in earlier on our anytime line at 99 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, Mike here. I've got a question about the Yale Harvard and that
2: portfolio investment model and how it would work for the individual
0: investor, are we too small, is it appropriate, and what are the risks and the pros and the cons of it for us? Thank you very much, take care. Appreciate
2: looking forward to the answer. I
1: I would love to answer this question, but I don't know the specifics of the Harvard-Yale investment model. I wish I could tell you. Um, I would really need this is a, uh, something that you need to call up and explain to me because I, I I vaguely heard of it that they're they have a strategy uh, whether it, it's worked well I don't know the, the the history of it or how they invest so I don't I don't really know I wish I could answer your question so give me a call maybe explain it either in a voicemail or give me a call live and then we can kind of talk it out I think that will be much more instructive. Thanks for the call. 888 99 chart, 888 4278. I'm Justin Klein. And I thank you for making time for Invest Talk. If you listen on a regular basis, you probably realize that Steve and I do our best to make the complex understandable, and we offer unbiased guidance for you. And we always appreciate your input. You drive the show, your topics drive the show. So please call now at 888 99 chart.
2: The KPP Premium Newsletter packs a lot of market news, process explanations, and even stock tips into a concise summary every Friday. You can subscribe at InvestTalk.com. $9 per month. Subscribe now and beat the coming October price increase. You are listening to Invest Talk. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
1: 8899 888-99 chart 888-992-4278. Let's get to our main talking point today, and that is about five investment tips for beginners who maybe just graduated college, got their first job, uh, going out on your own, right? Uh, and maybe this is for somebody who's been working for a while and just hasn't started to even think about thinking about what to do for retirement, for savings, to create a path towards what I would call financial freedom. Now, many college graduates who are just starting their career, they might be qualifying for a 401k plan for the first time. They may have a lot of student debt. And they have long-term savings needs and now grown-up expenses as well. And handling the complexity of all of that for many is difficult because there's not a lot of education around it. Even in our prestigious universities now the value of saving as much as possible and qualifying for the maximum employer match in their 401 K is very important it's really the the start okay of what you need to do that's probably priority number one after paying your bills then you need to start thinking about building an emergency fund So that you aren't living paycheck to paycheck. And then you need to lean on equities. And be consistently allocating your money to the markets. The stock market. Now you need to have the proper risk tolerance for that. And understand that. And you need to start getting a handle on your emotions. And money is emotional. Investing is emotional. So you need to create a plan around investing in the market. But the first thing you need to learn is to not follow the herd, not follow the herd mentality. Okay? Don't watch CNBC. Don't listen to what your cousin says or your friend says. Take it into account. But never make an investment decision based on one factor. And obviously you need to diversify, and maybe you can diversify beyond just public equities. Right? And don't just invest in tech stocks, just because you love them and you understand them. Have utilities, have income-producing assets that are maybe uncorrelated with the broad market and the broad economy. start understanding broad asset class classes at first. Then start getting experience with individual stocks. Maybe join an investment club. Learn other strategies like covered call strategies that can boost your income over time. And then focus on your Roth options, either Roth Roth 401k, Roth IRA, because you're going to be in a low tax bracket. And ultimately, if you're ta- trying to decide between Roth or regular IRA, it's all about your tax bracket. And if you're young and... Don't make a ton of money. You're probably in a low tax bracket. And then avoid tunnel vision. Focus on a a lot of different uh, financial goals. Not just paying down your student loans, which I know can be daunting and seems like it's going to take forever. But if the interest rate's very low, you're going to do much, much better by making sure you get that company match, for instance. And then as you gain... Raises and more money or uh, more salary, then you can start being more aggressive paying down that debt But don't just ignore everything else Then when it comes to insurance a lot of, I, I see this issue is Young people get talked into Variable life whole life insurance life insurance just in general and Unless you have dependents you have a wife kids some somebody that's dependent on you you don't need life insurance. So don't waste your time spending on those premiums just because your friend got into the industry and is talking you into it. I see that many times as well. And then they get into their 30s and they start calling me and wondering why why they have this whole life policy. I see that a lot. Okay, So I hope that gives you a rundown of how you should think about building and allocating your time and resources. Now, if you wake up during the night with an investment question, there's no need to wait. Give our anytime listener line a call. And after the break, we're going to get to that. But we have about a half hour, eh, call it 20 minutes left in the show, 25 minutes left. So if you're going to call us, do it sooner rather than later. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, looking back in time, we can see a cyclical pattern of stock market crashes. At some point, the bull market will turn south, but history teaches teaches us that it will always recover, just a matter of how long. So that story, tomorrow. But for now, I want to hear from you. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to answer your questions at 888 chart
0: Our podcast continues on next. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. How come? poor timing, and subpar fund choices. That's the big challenge that is being met now with Active 401k. The typical 401k plan has limited choices. People don't know what to do, and that's exactly why Active 401k was devised. It may be just what you've needed. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. You'll be told exactly what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. This program is offered by invitation to KPP clients and a limited number of our listeners, too. And if you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Investments tab and then look for Active 401k. Now let's get back to our podcast.
2: This is Invest Talk. Please make sure you subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then listen, rate, and review. Oh, and here's a save the date reminder on October 3rd, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose to conduct personalized, no cost portfolio reviews. You can register now at investtalk.com. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions, and Justin will have unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
0: Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. This is Jeff out in Indiana. I really appreciate the show, guys, and uh, I just had a quick question for you. I thought about uh, making a change in my portfolio. I did have the stock uh, symbol BT. There hasn't been a whole lot positive information coming out about it recently, and I had thought about maybe closing that position and jumping on Facebook since they dropped down to the uh, you know mid-170s. So just wanted to know what you guys thought about that possible move. I appreciate all the information. I look forward to hearing your answer. Bye-bye.
1: Put simply, I hate that move. Uh, I hate. I don't like Facebook at all right now. I, like I said yesterday on the show, uh, this is uh, it's a company that uh, I think is under stress, uh, and I don't think that stress is going to change uh, anytime soon. And I think it's only going to get worse, uh, to be frank. And BT Group, that's what he's uh, owning, is BT. It's a, it's a telecom. It's a UK telecom company. They provide local exchange, wireless broadband, internet, TV, and networked IT services. $14 billion company out of the UK, like I said. Revenues are flat year over year. Earnings were down 11% last quarter. And you know, the, the, I think the most of the most of the problems are behind them. Uh, you have Brexit, it's one of the big reasons for the sell-off. Strong dollar, another reason for the sell-off. This has uh, hit a high of around $34 back in 2000. Late 2015, early 2016, and really has been declining ever since. And uh, this is just an example of how foreign stocks have not done as well uh, because of the stronger dollar. Uh, obviously, there's some maybe Brexit issues and some competitive threats uh, in BT. But overall, there's still it's still a company that has good cash flows, uh, operating earnings yield of 18.5%. That's very attractive. You have an enterprise value to EBITDA of only 4.8. Very cheap. You have a return on equity about 24%. Uh, it's driven by a little bit of leverage, so uh, I, I worry a little bit about the debt, but it's not nearly to the level of what, say, Ford was, like I talked about earlier. Uh, its enterprise value is 40, call it 44 billion. And it's a 29 million dollar market, billion dollar market cap. So they have roughly 14, 15 billion dollars in debt, but it's a company that does 31 billion dollars in revenue over the trailing 12 months, and you know I think they're. They're doing okay, I think they just need uh, the, some of the headwinds of the stronger dollar, uh, Brexit to get out of the way, uh, and I think long term they're a good company at uh, an attractive value today. So I would not be selling this to buy Facebook. Actually, I'd be doing the opposite. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 889924278. About 15, 20 minutes left in the show, so get your call in now. Let's talk a little bit about the beige book and for everybody out there if you don't know what the beige book is this is a report that came comes out every six weeks or so from the Federal Reserve and they this is a report from their 12 Fed districts about the local economy there and certainly the group of 12 districts make up our whole economy as a country now what did the latest snapshot say well Three districts, St. Louis, Philadelphia, and Kansas City, reported weaker growth in August. Now the overall US economy expanded, continued expansion continued at a moderate pace, quote unquote. There were trade concerns, obviously with tariffs and lack of workers with a tight labor supply that delayed projects. And there were also some signs of deceleration in prices of final goods and services. And that's not something the Fed wants to see, but uh, it was it was modest. Uh, it wasn't something that's widespread. Now, what exactly happened? Well, there was shortage of workers, uh, especially in trucking and high-skilled sectors, and even low-skilled sectors like retail and restaurants. There's concern from companies about trade over the summer, and that has morphed into some businesses deciding to quote-unquote scale back or postpone capital investment. Not what you want to see. Businesses don't like uncertainty. And certainly, there is a decent amount of uncertainty with the trade uh, war, as well as higher interest rates, and uh, certainly a housing market that is moderating to a significant degree, I would say. Now, tr- businesses are trying to pass along the higher costs of labor to customers, but it the- looks like their input costs not just labor, but other things, are still rising more than their selling prices. So pressure on margins for companies. Certainly not good. Now in Atlanta, some businesses said they were unable to pay the higher wages demanded by the more experienced workers. And instead of paying up for those workers, they decided to wait it out. Uh, Let's see, the tick down in housing starts had caused lumber producers in the Pacific Northwest to reduce their prices. And even in the Texas or the Dallas region, prices for West Texas intermediate crude were weaker than uh, the the headline price in in the 60s because of limited pipeline capacity. So uh, certainly weak prices when it comes to commodities as well. And if the weakness that they saw in the three region kind of expands into the latter part of the year, I could see that the Fed's rate hike in December will maybe be more of a pause as opposed to a continuation like they are going to do later this month. So that's kind of the overview of our uh, economy over the past six weeks or so some deceleration and i actually think that will increase going into the second half of the year going into the i guess the fourth quarter of the year because we're pretty close to the end of the third quarter so that was a good overview of what the beige book said today now this is Invest talk made possible by kpp financial where every investor has an opportunity to determine their risk tolerance by using a free online tool at InvestTalk.com. we use a tool called riskalyze it's a risk questionnaire. It offers very simple. It takes two, three minutes. And it'll give you an idea of whether you're an aggressive investor, a conservative investor, investor, or maybe somewhere in between. Give you a number of 1 to 99. Higher it is, the more risk you're willing to take. And I see all the time people think they're conservative when in fact they are aggressive and vice versa. What Steve and I do a lot of times with those results is we compare. The people who take those questionnaires with their current portfolio, make sure they're lined up. It's important for you to do that. Understand the type of risk you're taking in relation to your particular risk tolerance and financial situation. So this allows us to build successful portfolios by running stress tests on various economic and market outcomes, along with targeting where risk concentrations lie within your particular portfolio. It's very valuable. We use it all the time to help clients make better decisions. So go there, take the quiz, and maybe we can help you out. Now get your calls in now. We have about 15 minutes left in the show, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
2: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news. It's sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. The cost now through September is only $9 per month. And if you act now, you'll stay ahead of the coming October price increase. Remember, you'll get targeted value formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at InvestTalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio and Podcast continues now the phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Craig in Concord, and I listened to you on AM 1220, so then you could answer this afternoon or tomorrow. If I'm investing in a bond fund and I really only care about income. Why do I care if net asset value of that bond fund goes down if interest rates go up and I get higher interest? Could you address that? Does a bond bubble really concern an income investor if he's just looking for the yield income? Thank you.
1: Sure. If you're never going to sell that bond fund and you're only worrying about the income stream, then the underlying I guess uh, yield is all that really matters to you. However, as time goes on, especially if you're looking at a corporate bond fund, something that's going to, there's going to be defaults uh, like a high-yield bond fund, that, that certainly can impair the portfolio over time that, uh, to produce an income that you want, okay? Now, if you're looking at treasury yields or something like that, obviously there's not going to be a lot of defaults But you're also assuming that you're never going to need access to that principle which odds are you going you are going to at some point This is why we recommend bond laddering if you can do it if you have enough money now That takes a lot of assets And when I say a lot you need at least hundred thousand dollars to create a significant or a, a proper bond ladder say that uh, so you definitely want to consider that if you can but if you think you'll never touch the principal, then I guess the, the yield's all that matters, but make sure that yield isn't permanently impaired by lots of bond defaults of the underlying assets. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart 888 4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. 10 more minutes in the show, so get your call in now. Let's talk about the iPhone event. That was the big news. Uh, if you looked at the... Financial media today, it was about Apple and their release of the iPhone X or 10s, not XS, 10s, 10s Max. There's a couple uh, other phones that were a little cheaper, and now they have a pretty broad lineup of phones, ranging from I believe the cheapest is $400, $500, something like that, uh, all the way up to the most expensive phone, which is the iPhone 10s Max at 512 gigabytes. That was at $1449 uh, for that phone. Me, personally, I still have an iPhone 8 Plus. My girlfriend has an X, or sorry, a 10. Uh, she doesn't like it. She wants. She likes my phone. She likes the, the thumbprint. And I can't really argue with her. I don't know if the Face ID was really solving a problem. That's my biggest thing. When companies are innovating, I want to see them solving problems. And. That's my biggest drawback or negative on the iPhone launch today. Now, one problem I think they did solve was with the Apple Watch. And it now has a heart monitoring function. It's approved by the FDA. Uh, It it can put out an electrocardiogram that a doctor would be able to read and give you a sense of how your heart is functioning maybe give you early warning signs of whether you're going to have a heart attack things like that I think that is very innovative and that is the best thing that came out of this cuz yeah, the new phones uh, yes they have the uh, same form factor as the iPhone 10 so the 10 s is basically the same just faster internals and a better camera maybe a little better screen the 10 uh, s max is basically the same thing just a bigger screen And you have a wide range of uh, phones to choose from, which is good. However, there's nothing really innovative. I don't think the innovation is going to come next year until we get 5G, which I probably will wait until next year and get a a 5G. I'll get a new iPad, which should be announced uh, in October. But from this announcement, the only thing that I really liked about it was that Apple Watch. I don't know if I'll get it. My girlfriend's a doctor, so maybe it'll be helpful to... For her to to read that out, but uh, definitely isn't pushing me to get a new iPhone. Let's see what else. I, I oh Apple in general uh, still a great company. We own it for some man uh, some of our managed accounts, and we had it for a long time. Great business, but I do worry that this is a little bit of a slip. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to innovate this product, uh, but I still love the company. Now, we get a wide variety of investing and finance questions on any anytime listener in line at 888-99-CHART. Let's hear from a caller now. Hey, Steve, uh, I'm just wondering about uh, IBM stocks. I know it's been kind
2: of taking a little bit of a hit over the last year or so, and I'm just wondering what y'all's thoughts were on it. It has a pretty good dividend. and uh, My main concern is that it has a very high payout ratio. So if you guys could just take a look at the charts and fundamentals and give
1: me your thoughts. Thanks. This is IBM. I don't think I need to tell anybody what IBM does uh, but the prevalence and move to the cloud for many large companies has eliminated eliminated the need for a lot of IBM's products and services right? because you just outsource your IT to the cloud and that has been a headwind for IBM for a lot, of, a lot of their business. And that's why earnings in 2011 were $13.44. So that's, and it's now, this year is only supposed to make $13.80. So earnings are basically flat over the last seven years or so. Definitely don't like that. Let me look at its payout ratio. I know they yield about 4.3%, which is a nice solid dividend. And their return on equity is high, 72%. Let me look at what... Their payout ratio is ninety-seven percent, but their cash dividend payout ratio is forty-six percent. So they have plenty of cash flow to continue to pay that dividend. So I'm not really worried about the dividend. They have a billion and point a billion and point two billion. Uh, in cash flow, 1.2 billion, sorry, in cash flow to pay that. So I'm not really that worried about it. Um, but I still, I want to see them find some growth in the business. So I don't love it from that growth perspective, but it's definitely a good dip in stock. Give me a call, 888 99 Chart.
2: On the next Invest Talk, looking back in time, we can see a cyclical pattern of stock market crashes. Steve will break down the story tomorrow, but now Justin's here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart Hello, I was wondering, a couple shows ago, Justin made a comment on the convertible, Bloomberg Convertible Bond ETF, CWB. He didn't like it very much. I'm wondering what you think of the preferred stock ETF, such as uh, Paul Frank Frank or Paul Sugar Karen. There are a bunch of others. They all act essentially the same. I'm sort of a conservative type investor, like some income and potential for growth, obviously. Uh, These will not move with the uh, S&P. They'll move probably less on the upside and hopefully less on the downside. Would appreciate your thoughts, gentlemen. Have a great day, bye.
1: Alright, he's looking at PFF, this is the iShares US Preferred Stock Index ETF, and it yields about 5.6%, and let me back up and talk about preferred shares. Preferred equity is kind of a hybrid stock and bond position. Okay. So what you are is you're higher up on what is called the capital structure than an equity holder, but you're below a bond holder. And preferred shares tend to pay uh, a, a set yield, just like a bond. Uh, and there's tends to be not a lot of, they don't tend to expire like a bond. They just kind of pay perpetual uh, dividends. They can retire those preferred shares if they like. Uh, they, they can be quite complex. But because they are a hybrid between or, or in the middle of your common stock that you would own and a bond, they act that way. Uh, so they're riskier than a bond, but they're safer than your overall equities, you know, your common equity. Typically, most preferreds are backed by some sort of financial institution, usually a bank. And so when you're investing in PFF or an index related to preferred shares, you're heavily exposed to banks and investing in banks and cash flow from banks. So I don't like that. There's a lot of interest rate risk because of their long time horizon to maturity. I don't like that. Uh, So, And if you look at the chart and uh, if you are watching on a YouTube live stream, you will see that you'll see the chart over the past uh, three years or so four years or so and the PFF has been slowly rolling over negatively part of that's been higher interest rates part of that has been a weaker financial sector and I just don't like the financial sector as a whole but if you're using this as a long-term allocation in a diversified portfolio Not bad, you know, over the long term, it's going to have higher returns, typically, than your standard corporate bond fund, but it's going to be less uh, volatile than your typical equity fund, and it's a good diversifier, because it's not one or the other, it's kind of in the middle. I think of it very similar to a high-yield bond fund, okay? So understand that, understand the complexities of it. I don't love it at this point. And, uh, but if you are a long-term investor, you're trying to create a diversified portfolio, it's not a bad part of that overall allocation. Well, do we have time for one more? No, I think we Oh, we have one minute left. OK. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the market today. It was very odd day, down early. Rallied after reports that there's going to be more talks with China. And sold off again, then rallied. And I think the sell-off in the dollar really tells me that the, there's going to be a deal with China. Uh, they're no longer going to have a pre- pressure on their, their currency. And that's what caused the dollar to sell off and a lot of commodities to rally. So I think we are at an inflection point with the dollar and commodities, at least in the short to medium term. Whether that is long term, I can't tell you, but I do think we are at an inflection point with commodities in general and the dollar, which I think is headed lower. That's it for Wednesday, another Invest Talk Radio show made better by your questions. I'm Justin Klein. Steve returns tomorrow, and I'll be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the Invest Talk Podcast at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Then rate and review. Good night.
0: Because of the nature of the
1: interactive
0: dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein-Pavis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.